It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. This is Lax Class number 146, because last week was 145, and that's just the way we do it here on Lacrosse Classified, right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. If you don't know by now, my name is Jake Elliott. I am one half of the team here today. The other half has been with me the last few weeks. He's back again. For another round here, as it's the owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock one, Jamie Dowick. Let's get you in here off the top, JD. How's it going, man? It's good, Jumbo. How you doing, brother? Well, truth be told, my friend, uh, I'm in, in a bit of a fog right now as I, I made the long trip back from Ottawa slash Aquasasne last night. Uh, got a bit of a restless sleep, so I've been kind of wandering around like a zombie here today and and uh, the old voice box after 12 games in, in four or five days uh, is hanging on here a little bit as well but uh, happy to be back and happy that you're back here on lacrosse classified for another week we got a absolutely monster program lined up for you once again we've been scratching and clawing or at least i have trying to get this man on the podcast for the better part of i want to say like close to two months here there's been uh some tears shed there's been a little angriness there's uh there's been some joy there's been some disappointment <laughs> there's been it all but we finally got him cp22 kc powell we only got two hall of famers left jamie so kc powell is on this week and then we got to get willie uh sean williams next week and then we are done all the hall of famers so we'll look forward to that in quarter number two stampede stallion quarter number four that's uh, my pick this week so stay tuned for that quick sticks of course in quarter three and the big focus is coming up here in mere moments uh i haven't talked to you for a few days man you, you well we just chatted here briefly before hitting the record button you just told me that you played your best round of golf you've ever played yeah, I got the uh, I got the game kind of tuned in these days, and and I've been playing a ton. So, I mean, it is nice that I'm seeing some results. But yeah, I showed a 76 on the weekend. 76 uh, on the home track, yeah, or where where did you fire that? Yeah, home home track, which is a par 70, um, and that was with a you know triple bogey because oh. I hit it out of bounds on the third hole. Wow. Uh, so, so the game is and followed it up with an 81 on uh, Sunday, which you know was bet I played better than that score, and then played nine this morning, 38. So <laughs> you uh, are dialed in right now. It's feel I got a, a member guest later this week, so I've let my buddy down. I've always been his A player, but I didn't I, over the last 10 years up, up until recently. I, I hadn't been playing. As much, so I didn't play to my handicap, but 
I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna make them proud this time, so I'm looking forward to it. Right on, yeah. Well, I mean, that's really golf. Like you need to play that game consistently to see some significant improvement. And you coming back off your golf trip there, where you played what seven rounds in six days, and you kind of kept that yeah. thing going. It sounds like so you're you're dialed in. Drivers working, putters going. You got the yeah the mid range, all of it. That's good. I got 63 rounds in since they opened golf here in Ontario on May 24th. So <laughs> that's uh, that's six. 63 more than me, man. <laughs> yeah. I was actually supposed to play golf down there in Cornwall as I just, uh, like I said, just got back from, from Cornwall after five days down in Augustosney doing the Survivor's Cup. And uh, I, I've told a number of people this. I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the games down there. Orangeville, Mimico, the Tri-Nations Medicine Men, the Aquasosney Indians, and the Pian Knights uh, were getting after it down there. The U19 tourney. And I'd never been down to the Turtle Dome or in Aquasasne, for that matter. And we were actually supposed to play golf there on, on Wednesday, but unfortunately there was thunderstorms there, and I'm not a big fan of throwing a metal iron up in the air when, when there's thunderstorms going around. So we canceled that, so unfortunately I didn't get a round of golf in. But tell you what, man, this uh, this trip I took, like I've been at this better part of 20 years, and you know I've done all sorts of different tournaments and man cups, mentos, whatever. This one here... Down there in Aguasasne was probably the most memorable and, and my f- most favorite week of, of lacrosse. Like, I experienced so much. And, and for people that don't know, like, it's, you know, one of the motherlands of, of the game. And it's Mohawk territory. And I got to meet some some pretty cool people down there. I bought myself a Woody at, at, at Mark Mitchell's uh, Mohawk compound down there. And I got a little tour around there and the St. Lawrence River and the Turtle Dome. And... Holy cow, I, like, this place is really cool. And, you, and I was saying, like, you just, you get the, the different vibe when you walk onto the land there and you just kind of look around and knowing the history and all the rest of it, man. It was uh, just an unbelievable experience. And then, like, these kids, Jamie, like, all under 19, there was a couple 15-year-olds in this tournament. But, I like, I'm thinking back to, like, when did it, when did it change where the talent of these young guys is just phenomenal? Like some of the goals that I was watching and calling, I can't believe that like 16 and 17 year olds are pulling this stuff off. It's impressive, isn't it? Like uh, they just keep getting younger and younger. And you think about like, you know, you think about like, wasn't, wasn't Austin playing, you know, for the arrows when he was 14, 15 and Cody probably too. I mean, um, that's pretty cool. I've never been down to Cornwall, but obviously I've got a lot of, uh, interaction with, you know, the six nations reserve and, and the ILA down here. And I, I know what you mean. Look forward to getting down to the turtle dome, but I know what you mean when you, when you kind of get on the, res, uh, the res it's, 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 there's, there is a different feeling like that is their game and the home of the game and the birth of the game. And, it, it does give you a special feeling, so I'm pretty jealous of you. I did catch a little bit of uh, the final there, anyways, yeah. um, and uh, it looked it looked to be pretty good lacrosse there. It looked to be a great event. Um, sounds like a great time. So well done for everyone involved in that. It was, and and uh, I was working I was working on my mohawk while I was down there, Jamie, and and of course you know my my handle. They call me Jumbo, and I said, well, okay, what what how do it, What's my name in, in Mohawk? So prepare yourself for this. Uh, Lagawano is, is Jumbo and Mohawk, Jamie. So if you want to throw that out there from time to time, Lagawano 
is how you say jumbo and mohawk. Wow, impressive. Right? Impressive. <laughs> I'm telling you. All right, so. I heard, I heard you throw out a couple things during the game yeah. when I was a little lost, but I, that's on me. Well, no, it's okay because, you know, like I, I know like a lot of the elders and stuff down there, it was just like it was over 40 degrees. There's no air conditioning in the building. So Ooh. I knew a lot of the elders who obviously got pre- preferential treatment with the tickets. They found out the game was the games were online, and and once they watched it, they said, you know what? Like I think we're gonna stay here in our in our home and in our air conditioning and just watch the games online. So I wanted to kind of appeal to them a little bit, and I know they were super appreciative of it. We got like uh, just an incredible text here, not to sit here and, and honk our own horn, but Teddy and I got an incredible text from one of the chiefs from six nations and I'll try and pull that up here for area in a second, but it was uh super humbling. Like he, I'll, I'll find that for you, but it was super, super humbling. Like they, I know they, we didn't like nail, there's a crazy amount of traditional names in, in this tournament, which, you know, the Mohawk dialect's not an easy one to kind of roll off the tongue. So we, we did a lot of practicing and, and kind of prepared ourselves for that. And we didn't nail everyone by any means, but they were super appreciative of the fact that we were trying and, and respectful of it. So that meant a lot to me, and, and I'll find that text because it, it almost, like, brought a tear to my eye when I read it. So I want to find nice. that for you. Yeah. Uh, we still got the big focus coming up, Jamie, but there's other things that I want to discuss with you before we get to that. And... One of them is compensatory picks. Um, I know some other leagues do this in some form or regard or another, but I tell me, okay, first tell me where do you come out on compensatory picks? Because I, I think it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, I think it. I it, hate them. Uh, do you? It's stupid. I think it's stupid. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you uh, well, agree. How you, how you get a comp pick for losing an unrestricted free agent makes zero sense to me i remember when it was implemented teams that were in less desirable locations were arguing that oh i'm losing my franchise player and you know and really all it's done all it's done is water down the draft and and uh i don't like it to me if you were going to give comp picks you'd give them for losing restricted free agents but the problem with that is you know, then you're kind of also encouraging, you know, driving up salaries and this and that. But comp picks for losing unrestricted free agents. Uh, a little bit crazy. Stu- stupid. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Even better. than It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, <laughs> I don't like it. Never liked it. Don't understand it at all. Okay. And, and, I, and I think my maybe my biggest issue with them is that it becomes like a, a subjective thing where somebody decides what that pick is or what that player that they lost is worth and what the compensation is going to be. Like there's no set it, dead set formula on it. Like most years, you've had four or five first-round picks. You know, we got 14 teams right now, 15 on the way. Like, you know, second-round picks have almost become meaningless. And and I'm no disrespect to anyone that's been a second-round pick, but, you know, you could have the first pick in the second round, and it might not be till 20-something. So um, it's just completely watered down our draft. I didn't like it when they brought it in. I thought it was a mistake then when they did it. And, you know, however many years later, I still think it's a mistake. I know they're trying to fix it a little bit, but, you know, they've let the genie out of the bottle. Try and stick it back in. Good luck with that. (laughs) 
Okay, so there we covered off cons. I think <laughs> yeah, we're I think we're on like the same page there. Just like my buddy T used to say, you can put me down as undecided on that one. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about this this TV deal that that TSN has has come on board here with the National Cross League and. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but uh, you know I've heard from a number of different sources that that ESPN deal is is coming near the end of the month here as well. This is a, a massive deal here, not only for for lacrosse and the National Lacrosse League, the sport in general, but like this this is going to take things to the next level um, as far as our, the National Lacrosse League goes. Tell me how the the deal kind of came about, what's involved with it, as far as you know, and like, what do you think is, is going to be the end result from, from signing up this partnership? Well, the TSN deal is uh, huge for the Canadian teams because there's basically going to be a game of the week on. So that means, I think, 20 games in total. So that means basically every weekend you're going to be able to be flipping through your TV and, you know, you're going to bump into lacrosse once a week. And to me, um, we need to be on – linear TV and not behind a paywall on some, uh, you know, site to, to get our game out to more people. That's, that's still the biggest problem is getting the game in front of more people. And, and to me, the only way to do that is on regular television. So, you know, TSN, the, the best sports network in the country, in my opinion, um, I've obviously had lots of dealings with them in the past and they're, and they're great. So, um, you know, I, they've always been excited about our product going back to when I started dealing with them over 10 years ago. So yeah. uh, this is good news. This is, you know, really good for the Canadian teams and a chance for more people in our local markets to see the game on TV and then, you know, come out and experience a live game um, for those people who don't even know about it. So, and it, and it, it sounds it, like it's, it's not just going to be like your basic four camera shoot like we're talking robotic cameras we're talking full meal deal production uh with with the backing of tsn here and i know like, well that's the only way they do business yeah. they don't do they don't they don't do half-assed production they uh they go all out and and that's just the way they operate and this is a, a pretty significant commitment and an investment from the ownership group on the national lacrosse league side as well like this is this is big time stuff expansion jamie um we heard the commissioner mention on teddy's podcast a few weeks ago that you know like when when he first started talking about expansion let's get to 16 and then and then maybe we take a little break but recently he said like there's so much interest in the nll that he doesn't really see stopping at 16 he thinks the train is is going to keep rolling and i've always kind of been on the side of like Let's make sure we're on on solid footing here with which each, each and every team we have. And the other like concern that I have is is the goalie talent pool. Are we going to have enough bona fide NLL goalies to fit into all these expansion teams? And after watching this U nineteen tournament, I feel a little bit better about it. But what do you think about expansion? Do you, would you like to see it keep going past sixteen? What do you think the ideal number is to get, and when do you want to get there with it? Yeah. Um... I was interested to hear the commissioner's comments myself. Um, sure. Not my opinion. Um, so I, I, you know, I haven't heard those, haven't heard those conversations on any board calls or anything. So I, okay. I was surprised. I was surprised by his comment. I disagree with him. I, I do think we need to stop at 16 for a bit. 
um, and reevaluate. So, um, you know, time will tell. We will see. Uh, I was surprised by that comment. Yeah, and uh, like I, I really think that we need to get one more Canadian team in there and get that complete nationwide. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a Canadian team. No. but we do a. We do have to get a 16th team, and it probably has to be in the West um, to make the most sense. And 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 you know, then I think you sit back and evaluate. But you know, I think just adding teams that to, to, you know to try and keep whatever going. I, I you know, we saw the, what happened the last time this league tried to do that, tried to get too big too quick. And uh, you know, while you're adding teams, you got other ones dropping off just yeah. as quick. So well, uh, uh, you know, we keep I, a, I, we I, keep agreeing on things here, Jimmy. I prefer <laughs> us to see our yeah. Well, listen, man. You know. There's a lot of we need to get our own our, our house in order before uh, you know we, we we continue to worry about that. There's there's teams in our league that need some help and and that that's my focus. Yeah. Uh, well, Vegas, the latest one coming in, and uh, I think another on the horizon will be announced. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when, but it's coming, and that'll get us to that number of and and when we Is do. It? Well, <laughs> you get you got some info for well, me. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I have a couple of sources, Jamie. I mean, uh, I, I talk to people, but uh, well, maybe maybe I'm, I, maybe I'm wrong. Share them with, well, share them with me. I'd love to know as an owner in this league. Yeah. <laughs> when we hang up on the call here, I'll, I'll text you. How about that? <laughs> hey, when we, when we do get to that number 16, Jamie, you know, a lot of the talk has been how do we get to a point where our athletes – are full-time players and they're not playing in the MSL classic or the WLA or whatever other league that that's going on here. I think there can be a relationship obviously between the premier lacrosse league and the NLL. If, if they're running at different times, their schedules aren't overlapping, which I think both teams are, are kind of willing to work together in that regard. But how do we get to a point or when will we get to a point where players are that are playing in the national lacrosse league are strictly playing box lacrosse in the NLL and nowhere else. Well, it's going to be tough because everything's, it's just a mess. Like, uh, you know, and the biggest problem you've got is major series or the WLA. They play at a different time of the year. Um, Canada's national summer sport, box lacrosse. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a problem. And then the way, major series and WLA teams operate, um, you know, it's supposed to be an amateur league and, and, you know, they're clearly not amateur leagues. They're loaded with professional players that are getting paid. Yeah. Um, so hey, it's really bizarre being a guy that's involved kind of on both sides of it. Well, that's the unique yeah. thing about you, Jamie, is that you have well, a team in it, each league, right? Like, yeah. And listen, to be honest with you, you know, and you can see what the Oakville Rocks done this summer. Um, I'd prefer my players not be allowed to play in that. Well, I'm sure uh, every owner I've feels lost, that way. I've lost way too many. Uh, I've lost lost way too many players. Um, you know, for uh, an NLL season because they got hurt playing in the summer. So, yeah. Um, you know, but but you can't guess, tell them not to if you're not paying. Well, them and listen, they you know they have a union in our league. They have nothing in the summer. Like, you know, there's it's one extreme with the NLL, and it's the exact opposite extreme with major series in the WLA. So it's like, 
you know, essentially it they really need... make sense. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the players really want to be full time. I, I think they like being able to try and go at two different entities to get paid. Well, that's what I'm saying, Jimmy. For... If they're making enough, if they're making up enough money in the NLL to compensate what they wouldn't be making playing major series, then then you can have the hammer and say, listen, like I'll pay you whatever you're making in in the summer. Well, to listen, not the play. majority, the majority of the guys. Um, the majorities of the guys that that would be doable. It's you know it's it's I hear you. It's the superstars on certain teams that are getting paid stupid some stupid amounts of money. Once again, and I've said this for years, wouldn't it's nothing new. Figure it out. A major series in the WLA is supposed to be amateur sports. So how do they let professional athletes play in that league? They they let them do it because. They want the best product and whatever, but it's all, I've never understood that. I don't get it. Um, You know, I've been burnt by it. Uh, I think something needs to change. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. And and I think what needs to change is probably the NLL schedule getting expanded into 20, 25, 30 games where there's no time left. Like you're, you're playing in this league and that's it. Yeah. See, my whole thing is the, Major series should have a rule, and the WLA should have a rule that says, like, you know, once you've played 50 NOL games, which is less than three seasons if you play every game, yeah. once once you play that, your eligibility in that league is done. That, hey, and you, that's and a hot take that, right there, Jamie Dallas. That's hot. That's hot. That's really hot. Use that league as a development league for the NLL and work with them because all the players – here's the problem. Guys sit on our practice rosters all winter, can't get in a game. They're practicing once a week, whether it be during the week or the night before a game. And then they go to their summer teams, and there's 15 NLL All-Stars on their team, so don't get to play there either. So how is a kid supposed to develop into an NLL player? He's by playing senior B. Like, you know, it's just figure it out. It's not complicated, but – you know, too many people with too many egos and, and uh, you know, and just so, you know, change is probably not, not on the horizon. Well, that's a little disappointing. I think it's, uh, it's, it's terribly disappointing, yeah. but, you know, it's there's dinosaurs all over the place. And these guys that have been involved in the game for 50 years and they think what's good 50 years ago is what what should it's, happen today. It's incredible, and, hey, Jamie, and, and like that. Just, there's way too many people in this sport that are like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, until they figure it out, they, they keep, keep your head stuck in the mud. Absolutely. That's bang on. Hey, let's get to the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. Big focus. Uh, big focus this week, Jamie, and and it's a bit of a de- you actually alluded to this, and I didn't read the tea leaves or read between the lines when you told me that you were not heading to Buffalo and that you're only sending one personnel down there, and it was going to be a challenge and all. Surely the news coming down that the NLL has had to pivot once again and revert to a virtual draft for the upcoming entry draft at the end of the month. And unfortunately, the NLL Hall of Fame ceremony 
will be postponed as just not enough friends and family members could make their way to Buffalo to celebrate these Hall of Fame careers properly. Tough decision, obviously, Jamie, but I think the right one. No brainer. I mean, listen, you're gonna get you're gonna get both of us in trouble today. You're asking me tons of questions. Like, listen, I. <laughs> this is why I'm know, having you on. <laughs> so I. Oh, they had no choice. Yeah. I mean, they they had to do what they had to do. I mean. And you don't you like know. you don't want to have this ceremony with an empty building in there either, right? Because that's not right either. So like I I, it does suck. Like it sucks. But it, again, like through this two year experience of going through this pandemic, a lot of things have sucked, and a lot of people have yeah. had to deal with a lot of different things and and get through it and get past it. And this is just another hurdle that we're going to have to clear as we work our way to December. Yeah, I just felt like it could have been. Yeah, you know, I hear. To you. me, I heard, I heard enough people saying three months ago that we should be doing something different, and and we didn't do it. And uh, if we had, we would, we would be doing a draft live this weekend here at the track or in Hamilton. Or do we know what the pushback like was? That. Like, what was Pardon there? Me? Was there a specific reason for that? Like, why it was kind of like I, the the league. As far as I'm concerned, you know, the league office, the, their their reasoning for it to us was that it would be that they didn't believe the American staff could get up here because mm. at the time, you know, they weren't allowed up here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the land border has been closed since March of 2020. So, um, you know, it, I mean, they, didn't want to do it. They, did, they didn't they didn't want, you know, my they didn't want to do it here. Why? That's a great question. You just gave me a great question there. I don't know if you picked up on that, Jamie, but I uh, appreciate oh, it. Oh, I didn't pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate your candidness, man, and I know. Hey, our... you know you're getting that from me, man. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to give you it straight, and it is what it is. And Yeah. Well, you know, I had a it. I had a chat with Joe Feld um, just before we, we got on the line together. I said, yeah, I got Jamie Dowick coming up, and he goes, I love Jamie. He goes, that, that guy is no bullshit. Like, he gives you the straight goods every single time you talk to him, and I love him for it. So uh, you got you got one fan there at the NLO office for sure, man. Uh, Joel and I have had our but yeah, I like Joel, too. We've definitely uh, had some interesting conversations. <laughs> well, so, he's the uh, same way, right? He's no bullshit yeah. either. Like, he, he'll give it to you straight as well, which, which I mm-hmm. always appreciate hey, from him. Me as well. Man, that was another big opening quarter number one, Jamie Dowick. We got to take a quick break here because we got to get to quarter number two. Powell Lacrosse, Speed Lacrosse, Syracuse, and now NLL Hall of Famer. Casey Powell is on the other side. Episode 146, Lax Klaus is back after this. Hey, this is Hall of Famer John Grant Jr. and listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Lax Class 146 is into the second quarter. And here in quarter number two, we like to do a little thing called calls to the hall. We've ran them all down. We have just two left. Now one after we speak with this gentleman right here who has just a massive resume that we're going to talk about it all. Syracuse, Speed Lacrosse, Powell Lacrosse. And now NLL Hall of Famer in Casey Powell, CP22 on the pod. Welcome to Lax Class, Casey. Thanks for doing this, man. 
Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jamie. And love what you guys do and excited to be on here tonight. We're excited to have you. Uh, and, and truth be told, I know you were just on, on with the boys on the back of the bird there with Polly Dawson and Danny Lomas. Uh, and I had a chance to listen to that in the airport while I was traveling back home. And we may overlap a little bit on, on some of the things we talk about in that regard. But, you know, I think we also have a, a bit of a different audience as well. So we... We're going to cover a lot of different things here, but uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. And that's always one of the things I ask people that come on the podcast for the first time is, is how did you find lacrosse or how did lacrosse find you? And I want you to tell this story again, because it is a very unique one. And, and I think people are going to want to hear this. <laughs> Great. Well, I, I tell the story often and it is quite incredible as I look back, but uh, basically I grew up in a small town called West Carthage, New York. It's uh uh, 70 miles north of, of Syracuse and, and at the time was not a, a big lacrosse area. I think the, the closest lacrosse was about 35 miles away. And, uh, I had never heard of the sport and uh, had a gym teacher that came in. Uh, he was 24 years old, fresh out of college. And uh, he's somebody that uh, replaced our old gym teacher. And we uh, instantly admired him. We, we admired his spirit and his energy and his uh, stance at athletics and uh, he was, uh, you know, he had he had a great fantasy about him and really pumped us up and included us and, and made us feel really special about all the sports that we were playing. And one day he brought in a lacrosse stick when I was in fifth grade, and that was the first time I had seen one. And my brother Ryan was in third grade, and my brother Mike was in kindergarten, and we lived in the house right next door to the elementary school. So um, we uh, all had the same lesson uh, of lacrosse and how Native Americans invented it and and how it's a combination of a lot of sports into one being hockey and soccer and football and basketball, all kind of combined into one sport. And those were some of the sports that we liked. So we, we were intrigued by it. Um, we thought the history of it was, was really cool. Uh, the fact that you use a, uh, a piece of equipment like a, like a stick was uh, intriguing and, and um, you know, but with cradling with it a, a couple of times and trying to check it out, we, we, uh, we couldn't stop talking about it. And, we went to the dinner table and my dad got home from the paper mill and uh, we, uh, we told him about this sport and he had never heard of it either. And we just kept talking about it. And, and uh, we saw the stick at gym class when we go back, we hadn't gotten a real big lesson on it yet, but just kind of introduced to it. And we just kept picking up the stick and, and picking up the stick. And then one day uh, we're at dinner and my dad pulled out of the closet. He had went down to uh, Syracuse and sold one of his shotguns and came home with three lacrosse sticks. And that was a shot. We, so we were the first the in, yeah, we were the first in town to have sticks and um, it just kind of caught on. So our, our neighbors would show up, the guys called the Kaufman brothers who, who played some pro lacrosse in Syracuse and they were two blocks down. And we just had a great group of athletes that, that we competed uh, against all the time in the backyard and, and, and lacrosse, uh, quickly uh, became our thing. And that gym teacher later on started the program after we had played in the backyard and a, and a ton of wall ball for a while and uh, built the program from there. We, we tried to mimic uh, our heroes at Syracuse with their fantasy and creativity and the Gate Brothers and, sure. and Tom Beck and, and their swagger that they had. We literally pretended that we were them in the backyard. And, and then we went down and watched uh, one of the most successful high schools in, in Syracuse in New York State uh, called West Genesee. And and they were very strict. They wore their, their socks to their knees, and they wore their equipment to the games. They got off the bus and ran two laps and, and dominated the game and got back on the bus and left. So they were all business. So 
we um we were kind of intrigued by both and we had this backyard style freelance so where we you know we're, we're creative and fun and and not being told what to do and what not to and do you like that casey right that was part of the allure to you to the sport is that you like you didn't really have any set coaching or kind of conformity you just went out and did what you wanted and kind of were creative and imaginative and and that's what really drew you in absolutely um i mean that's uh you know that's that's kind of the players that we became is you know we did have a little bit of structure from from you know moving on up and having great coaching but we always had this this kind of a freelance about us and that was what was fun uh, every time you know the ball was in your stick it was, a, it was a new new opportunity to create something different do i go right do i go left well whatever this, this whatever decision you make it changes the course of the game and and we really like the feeling of uh, having the control of the ball in the stick and and uh, just all the elements of the game we quickly fell in love with it jamie you want to jump in yeah well listen let me just start by saying uh you know, congratulations on, on getting into the Hall of Fame. I was, uh, you know, when I bought the team, you were in your, I guess, well, your one and only year you guys played in Orlando. So, you know, I feel like, and I listened to your Back of the Bird episode, so it was good too, but I feel like when I kind of got to know Casey Powell, you know, Casey Powell was full-on MVP status at that time, and you know, always heard people used to say, oh, American, American. I mean, yes, American, that's great. But, like, to me, I always just looked at Casey Powell as, you know, an MVP. And whether he was Canadian, American, Iroquois, whatever, I mean, uh, you know, those, those couple of years, that year with the Titans, the following couple of years in Boston was shooting DOS. I mean, wow, scary, scary stuff. And, and I never really got to meet you personally, but I, I just want to say what a privilege it was to watch you play the game. And, and you played the game the right way. And I think you've showed all these American kids. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm glad I get to ask you this. I think you're kind of responsible along with Shooter as to why Tom kind of ended up in Toronto, not to get sidetracked. Is that true, Casey? You, you guys had a conversation, something about that, who might be able to play that game. And, 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 you know, I know shooter had the utmost respect for you and, and to hear you say that, you know, a guy might be able to do it, you know, that, that went a long way. Yeah. I get a call from shooter here and there. Uh, now he's with the seals and all, but uh, I had a lot of respect for, for uh, Tom Schreiber as a player and as a feeder and how tough he was and the student of the game. And, just a high character guy. And I knew, um, he would be a, a success in, in, in box across if you stick with it. And I think that, you know, I think that's the important thing is you gotta, you gotta stick it out and you gotta learn. You have to be in the right scenario and the right situation. You gotta have the right coaches and you gotta have the right teammates who are, you know, willing to, to pass the game along to you. And, and that all kind of happened. So we still love, uh, love stripes and love having them up there. And, um, uh, now, now Sanderson's calling me for the seals though, not the rock. So, okay. yeah, well, you know what? Uh, we, we feel like you gave, you know, you gave us one that we're more than happy with. So we'll let them keep bugging you. We're not going to bug you about that. I'm sure everyone hits you up all the time about that. Cause honestly, I mean, it's because of the way you played the game, right? Like, and that was, and you said it, I mean, really, and I, I say this all the time for the American kids. It's just about them wanting to buy in and wanting to play and not accepting failure. And as long as they have that mindset, they're great lacrosse players. They're they're going to succeed, but they got to have that mindset. they got to buy in. Everyone around them has got to buy in. And, and then it's a thing of beauty. 
Yeah, it's um, it took a while, and no doubt. And uh, I had a lot of uh, great coaches, and I played with a lot of players around me um, that that helped guide me. And early on in my career, I wasn't all in, and and you know that's that's I think that's the word that sticks out most. What you just said is you you have to be all in, and you have to be willing to sacrifice and play for your teammates, and and uh, play your role to the you know your highest ability. So those years when you saw me, I was completely dialed in. I was uh, yeah. focused. Uh, I got really lost in the game, and I really, I really enjoyed that time period where I felt really comfortable with uh, my teammates and my coaching staff, and um, I was just, uh, you know, kind of feeling the flow during the, during those uh, later years. Well, tell me about cool. that, Casey Hall of Famer Casey Powell, with us here because we we heard we had John Grant on last week, and he's like, yeah, I was I was kind of a shitty teammate like early on in my career, and and. You know, Jamie, you you mentioned last week as well. Like you heard some absolute horror stories from from Colin Doyle early in his career, not being a, being a great teammate, and and turned into maybe the best leader that you've ever had. And Casey, that's the second time I've heard you mention that like you weren't all in early in your career, and you didn't really know how to be a good teammate. When tell me what, like what what that was about, and then and then what was the switch that went off to change that for you? Well, I think, you know, my overall lacrosse experience and certainly a maturity, um, you know, as you continue to play and I was playing, you know, about 30 weekends a year for a long stint for both indoor and outdoor lacrosse. And, um, you know, the older you get, the more, uh, leadership you need to kind of portray. And, um, and that's kind of what happened, but early on in my career with Rochester, I had just come off a, a, a dreamboat dream book career, um, that I, you know, something I only dreamed of. I wanted to follow in Gary Gates footsteps and, you know, I, I had a, had a really good run and had the chance to play with my brothers and I really wasn't prepared for next steps or next phases of uh, what professional lacrosse was to be. And it wasn't really something at the time I, I cared too much about or, or, or dreamt of. Um, so I was, uh, first time having a paycheck. I, I got a endorsement deal from warrior lacrosse and, you know, it was just a great feeling. They, they, they got me a, a company car and I was just, you know, kind of really happy and, and celebrating uh, my, my success that I, that I just had uh, over the past four years. And, and, um, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was picked to play for Rochester, um, who was a, which was a great team, but I, I didn't go to a lot of practices and um, I wasn't uh, great in the locker room at the time. And I could feel it, you know, I could feel, uh, you know, when the, when the going was tough out there that I was kind of felt kind of on my own. And that's basically how I treated uh, them when, when uh, I was, wasn't uh, on the floor. So, but uh, I, I played a couple of years and a couple of heartbreaking loss to, to the Toronto rock and Maple Leaf gardens. Mm. And, and uh, I said, Hey, I'm done. I'm going to go out to California and, and keep, you know, playing field lacrosse and doing camps and clinics and stuff like that. And, and then, uh, Anaheim storm put a, put a franchise out there and said, Hey, there's this right up the road. I'm going to give it another try. And got uh, got convinced my brother Ryan to come out and, and try it out. And we, uh, we are a franchise team and we, uh, we played like a franchise team. We weren't, we weren't, weren't good, but I, I w- uh, was team captain and, and started to, you know, learn the, the leadership uh, side of things and how important that is, especially in box lacrosse, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, had, had some learning lessons. I had the ball in my stick a lot and, you know, we took a beating, but we had a couple, couple nice wins and uh, just gained a little bit more experience. And, and then I moved back to, uh, to New York and I was uh, close to, uh, I think, you know, 29, 30 years old. And uh, at that time I was ready to go and they started the, 
New York franchise and I, I jumped on the opportunity. Um, there was a lot of other American players that I had some field experience with who I liked and, and, and liked as men and teammates. And uh, Adam Mueller came in as a coaching staff and we had a, you know, innovative owner who was excited to, to kind of help out and all the pieces kind of fit. Um, I was at the right time of my career and I really uh, got in the best shape that I've ever been in. I, I went to this speed school training and in um, Syracuse and I'd live upstate. And then during the games, I'd, I'd head down to New York city to play, but I was, uh, became a, a big student of the game and started to study a lot of the former players and current players like, like Colin Doyle and Sanderson and Dawson and, and Grant. And, and just to watch to see how they got, got the job done, got the job done. And uh, Eddie Como came in, um, you know, for a couple of years uh, for the Titans as well. And, and that's really when uh, I hit my stride when I, when I, I, got the confidence of him um you know a lot of things you know one thing he would say to me when i was really feeling in my career just come up to me before the game and say casey shoot a lot <laughs> and, uh, pretty good coaching pretty good coaching yeah but he but he gave me the keys you know and, and he gave me the confidence like hey i'm you know i don't have to play uh be hesitant out here i just gotta let it let it ride and i learned to uh you know, simplify the game and, and try to get underneath or try to get up over top and utilize my teammates and, and move the ball. And just so the game, you know, after um, a bunch of uh, pro experience, uh, the game just became a little bit easier and, and simplified. And I got myself in tip top condition. I worked on my shot um, uh, tremendously. And, um, you know, I, I learned with my first step explosion that if I could develop an outside shot, they had to come out and play me. And, and if they came out to play me, it was easier to get underneath. So, uh, that kind of became my game. Well, I want to talk about that shot because I was watching some Casey Powell highlights and that low to high release oh. that you really kind of patented, like that is maybe the, one of the most difficult shots to ex- execute in box across the, the suburb to the top corner. But that was like your go-to shot from the outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of like a side underarm. Um, but, uh, you could definitely, you know, kind of feel the goalie dipping down a little bit. Yeah. And, um, I got to shoot against, uh, when I was with the Titans, you know, well, early on, you know, Pat O'Toole and, um, Dietrich and got to play, you know, shoot against some really good goalies in practice. And, and then, uh, Matt Vince, our goalie of the Titans and tons of practices and training camps. And, you know, I got to shoot on arguably one of the, the greatest goalies of all time. So yeah. I was able to use little, little tricks to, uh, develop some scoring opportunities. And is that is that like when 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 you that year that you got yourself in the best shape and you got the the keys to the to the team and the captain is that when the, the, like you have obviously a massively decorated field lacrosse career but I think you mentioned on the back of the bird that it's box lacrosse that you kind of like more than any other discipline is that when when the tide changed for you and said like this is this is what it's all about here this box lacrosse is is where it's at yeah, I, no doubt. I just, um, I loved, uh, you know, the actual gameplay, first of all, the, the action and, um, it's, uh, your adrenaline's pumping the whole game. Whereas field lacrosse, you can kind of chill out and find, find spots in the corners and, you know, decide, do I want to get involved or do I want to hang out over here? So there's a lot of that. And, uh, obviously I, I like playing both styles, but box lacrosse, there's, there's no hanging out. There's, uh, it's, if you're not involved and you're not in the lineup uh, the next week and um, it's just uh, the energy of, of the building and the, the commitment to each shift um, is, is impressive and, and it's exciting. And, and every time you go out there, something different happens. And, and then the league itself is, 
is just highly professional with with the suits and the way they they were taking care of us and uh, making us really feel like a, a professional. Um, so I love the on field and I, I love the off field and, and the feeling of you know flying in and showing up to the greatest arenas in in North America and having the opportunity to compete in in, in front of uh, great great uh, educated fans uh, from from different parts of. Uh, of North America. So it, it was, uh, yeah, that was an exciting uh, time period. And there's no question that this, uh, hall of fame, this national lacrosse league hall of fame is my greatest accomplishment. It was, uh, definitely uh, the hardest thing that I've had to do, uh, my hardest challenge as a player. And I'm certainly honored to be going in with the players that I'm going in with. Well, you, you might need to take that back. Cause I'm about to ask you, did you ever have to shed the bucket and, and mitts and get after it with the knuckles in the national lacrosse league? <laughs> you know, not, not too bad. I, um, I got pushed around a little bit and I remember uh, one story I have, I was in Buffalo and I always hated playing in Buffalo. You always knew that you're going to be in for it. And they'd uh, come out hollering and Mohawks and, you know, I'm like, Oh God, here we go. It's my, my game check's not worth it. I always thought during that game, but uh, yeah, one, one game, uh, a guy named Tyler Francie came after me and uh, I was, I was in Buffalo. My parents and family are in the crowd and, there was uh, one second left before halftime when this scrum goes down, and I kind of, uh, you know, tied him up a little bit. I kind of hip hip checked him and, and got him down on the ground and threw a couple pillows at him. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so one second, I go into the penalty box for 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 one second. And then you go into halftime. I came out and I have to serve the four minutes and fifty nine seconds. So Tyler's in one box, I'm in the other. And uh, we get released, you know, in, in the into the third quarter, and um, I just hear Kilgore say, "Get him again." I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so he comes flying out after me, and I, again, I kind of deceptively kind of flung him a little bit. He got a, but he landed on top of me. He got a couple nice ones in, and well, two fights are kicked out. So this is my this is my first fight in the NLL, and you don't fight in field. So parents must love that. Crap, parents love that. <laughs> oh yeah. Other than kicking the crap out of my brothers for years, like this was kind of my first first fighting experience. Well, I'm in the locker room. Tyler Francie's down in the other locker room. I don't know what's going to go on. I only hear horror stories. So nobody else is in the locker room with me. And I'm saying I see an empty shaft. I just go pick this shaft up, thinking Tyler's coming down the hallway to kick my kick my ass. So for about a quarter and a, a quarter, full you know thirty minutes, I'm in there gripping this shaft, all sweaty and and uh waiting for tyler to come down and beat me up all i'm hearing is the buffalo horn blaring and the music popping and finally i decide all right i'm gonna crack a fourth quarter i'm gonna crack a beer and go take a shower but i brought the shaft with me just in case and uh and uh, just uh just kept looking over my shoulder but the adrenaline was pumping for uh the rest of the game but that was my uh, first fight story and then three years later i'm i'm in a rental van and New York City uh, at LaGuardia, and we're picking up new guys on the team. And uh, Tyler Francie comes right in, sits right next to me. He's like, "How you doing, eh?" I was like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> well, that's it, man. When you fight, you like box across players are kind of like that. When you fight a guy and, and and it happens on the floor, that's one thing. But yeah. then you're off and you're in the bar or at the the airport. It's a completely different thing. Yep. Yep. For sure, Casey. Talk a little bit about your brothers because you know, just from following you on social and this and that, you seem to be a, a very close family. And I'm a father of three boys, and I always dream of my boys playing pro or playing together at a high level. You know, talk about playing with your brothers, and you know, 
t- tell us a little bit about them as well, because I think they were, you know, you you got all the uh, obviously the the fame and this and that, but they were pretty good lacrosse players in themselves too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we uh, we grew up in the backyard, dreaming to to play at Syracuse, and we all did that. Um, I set the Syracuse scoring record, and two years later, with 19 seconds left in the national championship, my brother Ryan finished tied with it, and then four years after that, my brother Mike beat it. So we we all uh, had a great career there. We all won national championships, and uh, we were all able to play uh, professionally. And, and uh, my greatest lacrosse moment is uh, playing on the 2006 U.S. national team with them and shooting up against Canada, uh, which we lost. You don't have to bring that up, Jake. God, but, um, <laughs> I only get the, so uh, like the only thing I can bring up when it comes to field lacrosse yeah. against Team USA. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, but I looked to my left and there was my brother uh, Ryan. I looked to my right and there was my brother Mike. So just uh, knowing that we grew up, you know, dreaming to be the best players that we could be and competing against each other in the backyard, and we became three of the twenty best players in the United States that year was uh, was amazing. And you know, uh, Mike was certainly the most gifted and and uh, athletically, uh, you know, and just creative and with a stick and what he could do was change change a direction and. But I think Ryan, um, he always, he always um, was somebody I competed against. Um, I would see him out playing wall ball, and Ryan always trained as hard as he possibly could. And, and, and he wasn't as athletically gifted, but he was a grinder, and, and I really respected that. And, and that carried over into our professional career when I saw him you know, going heavy in the box and uh, he was out you know, ripping it up with the Portland Lumberjacks, and he was getting all the notoriety. And I was like, hey, wait. That's my younger brother. I got to be the best one in this family. I got to go out there and I got to start grinding it out. So Ryan uh, always motivated me to stay on top of my game and never be complacent. Uh, I knew he was always nipping at my coattails and and he was always striving to be uh, as as, uh, successful as I was and and certainly became that. So he was an awesome uh, box lacrosse player for for the Portland Lumberjacks, the Boston Blazers, the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, He had a great career. He came up big. He averaged five points per game in, in the playoffs. Uh, throughout his career and uh and mike uh who doesn't play lacrosse anymore uh still helps with our lacrosse company and uh you know i just played in a men's tournament in lake placid new york and i think uh about 15 times you know whether i'm on the field or on the sidelines people came up to me and said oh i wish mike would just come out here one more time what and, is it uh, casey what what what's the deal like he just lost the love for it or he just how come he doesn't play yeah. anymore yeah, I think he's uh, he's just a creative person, and and he likes to be authentic. And he didn't like the endorsement uh, and the and playing for money um, type thing. He liked uh, the artistic and the creative aspects of of lacrosse and the history. And uh, I think he just kind of kind of got mixed up about you know with emotions of uh, really why he played and and what he you know what he was playing for. So. He was at the pin- pinnacle of his game when he when he dropped, but he uh, beats to his own drum, and he's he's uh, really really good and really talented at everything he, that he picks up. So he uh, he masters things and, and moves along, and he's not defined by by one thing. Whereas uh, I'm not good at anything else, yeah. so I'm like, yeah, but I better stick with the <laughs> He so. sounds like an interesting <laughs> cat as we speak with. Hall of Famer Casey Powell, and, and while we're on it, Casey, we might as well talk about it. Uh, Powell Lacrosse, you you just mentioned that you're kind of back in business with your brothers at Powell Lacrosse, and and you've worked your way back in and, and starting to be a, a little more hands on with the company. What what's new at Powell Lacrosse? What can the people expect to see coming out on the market from you guys? 
Yeah, well, we're uh, first and foremost a lacrosse stick company. Uh, we have a, a couple amazing head designs, uh, and our sticks all come custom strung. So we have a great um, uh, stringing core of, of people that uh, that uh, when you receive our stick, they're they're ready to go. But the head design is great, and we we take great pride in it. We've endorsed and player engineered for other companies for several years, and this has uh, just been an opportunity for us to be. Uh, kind of in the driver's seat and, and define ourselves and, and showcase some some of the products that we like. But we um, we have a uh, face-off stick coming out. We have a uh, girls lacrosse stick coming out. Awesome. So we're excited to get into the girls market and and uh, you know we we have a glove and we're uh, hot and heavy in the in the uniform business right now. So we're just excited to to have the opportunity to share and showcase our passion and and uh, our experience with with the products and and trying to get lacrosse players the products that they. Uh, they like and, and they deserve and we're certainly excited about the opportunity to continue to make an impact on the game yeah well as you should be the the hype videos you you kind of been putting out about the different uh, players that have played for powell lacrosse and you know which which person wore it better or which person wore this number the best uh i've been really enjoying that stuff you you've mentioned gary gate a, a few times and and wanted to be like 22 and, and go to syracuse and do all that sort of stuff what what was it about Gary's game that you really admired it and wanted to be like? How come Gary Gate? Well, I mean, I mean, he's he's the greatest. He's the the greatest of all time. And I, just keep in mind, I in 1988, I walked into the Carrier Dome in Syracuse for my first game, and they were the the reigning national. They were the you know, number one team in the country, and I was sucked into the dome and through the the. The way the dome set up, you kind of it's like a air conditioned um, suction where you go into a right, right, revolving right. dome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the crowd was uh, huge. The music was blaring, and they came out of the locker room. And I just, you know, remember the the swagger and the and the BTBs and the the ground balls and just the extreme confidence that they had. They had Hall of Fame coach Roy Simmons at the helm with white hair, you know, flowing out his hat, and he kind of had a, a freelance hippie. Uh, you know, mentality where, where he let the, let the players play. And um, that's, uh, that's the day I said, Hey, that's what I want to do. That's, that's what I want to become. And um, I, I'm the oldest brother. So I'm going to be Gary, Ryan, you can be Paul and Mike here the opposing team's goalie. So that's kind of, kind of <laughs> throw in net, get in net youngster. Yeah. That's how, that's kind of how it works uh, up here in Canada too. If you're the, the, the runt of the litter, you're going to goal. Um, yep. And speaking with Casey Powell here, man, and like uh, Syracuse is is an unbelievable institution for lacrosse, and and like you said, all all three of your brothers go through there, the Gates, Marichek, all the rest of it. Uh, we now see twenty two is going to be the head man there at the Cuse. Uh, any conversations with with Gary about maybe joining him on the sideline? Oh, that certainly certainly be a dream come true, no doubt about it. Um... You know, I'd, I'd love to, ha- to have that opportunity to work uh, under him and, and to go back home, uh, to be honest. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see. And but it's, it's certainly a dream of mine. And um, I think that would be uh, certainly incredible to have an opportunity to work with my idol at the school that I that I went to. Jamie, you got anything? I'm just listening along here. Well, I know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I find it very interesting. And, and like I said, it was good. Good to get some information. Give, go one more. I'm thinking of something here. Okay, well, uh, one, well thing... one thing I will okay. say was, like, Casey, here was the worst thing for me. And I, I'm gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. So we get the NHL, the NLL Hall of Fame ballot, and it's telling me I can vote for three old guys. And 
Um, obviously, Colin's on the on the ballot. Junior's on the ballot. And to me, I got two guys that are absolute 100% no-brainers in Willie and Casey. And, you know, I, honestly, I can't even remember the way I went. I think I went Willie in the end, but I was so happy when, you know, because I was torn because I, I wanted you to get in being the American and, you know, I figure out, oh, well, if I don't go Willie this time, he'll get in later and vice versa. But I just, I'm so glad that, you know, like neither of you guys deserve to wait. To me, you were kind of first ballot Hall of Famers. The first opportunity you had to go in, and and uh, you know, uh, like a, they got that one right. Yeah, that was that was out, that was a super tough call. So no, I'm no, no, credit for that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's um, you know, certainly uh, you know, the, the, I I had a good run, but those guys had amazing careers, and uh, to to go in. Uh, alongside them is, is really special to me. Uh, I admired their game. I admire, admired their professionalism uh, and their gamesmanship and, and what they brought uh, each and every night. And, and their numbers were, you know, those three guys were a lot more impressive than mine. And, um, again, I just feel honored to go in with that caliber of player and, uh, you know, truly uh, humbled by this uh, this induction. 674 points in the National Lacrosse League in just 137 games. I'm pretty sure you belong in the NLL Hall of Fame, Casey. Number one overall pick <laughs> as well. Uh, this is something that we ask all our Hall of Famers, Casey Powell, and that is for to pick one person that is currently not in the National Cross League Hall of Fame that you think belongs? Um, huh. I, every, this, everybody struggles with this, so don't feel bad. Like, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. There's there's no wrong answers. There's no right answers here. So just first, first name that comes to your mind. Yeah, I mean, the first name that came to my mind is my brother Ryan. Um, he had a he had a great run as well. Um, he was at a playing at a very high caliber, and he was a a wicked competitor. Um, Patrick Merrill comes to mind. Yeah. Um, I just enjoyed how he played played the game. Um, he you know was all out all the time. Mad dog. Feisty. Yeah. And he was uh, an incredible roommate and a credible leader. And uh, he's he's somebody that I I believe should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, we'll give half a vote to Patty Merrill, half a vote to Ryan Powell. We can do that. <laughs> Casey, this was uh, an amazing conversation. We could go on here with you for for another half an hour, an hour. We won't keep you any more of your time. But before we let you go, I, I do want to mention speed lacrosse because I think this is like some of the coolest things I've, I've watched. And you kind of invented this game where you just set up some mini nets on a beach and and just start playing lacrosse and and the freedom and and like really what Casey Powell is all about. Tell me about speed lacrosse. How it was birthed and and how people can get involved with this. Yeah, thanks. Um, so when I retired in 2014, I took a look back on my career, and um, I was inducted into the National Hall of Fame, and I had a lot of time to reflect and and think about, you know, my, my journey. And it all kind of started uh, in my backyard and, and the way we played and the passion we, we, uh, we built and – we weren't coached, um, but we competed and we, we played so much in the backyard. There was no grass. And, uh, my brother, you know, every night felt like the national championship. My brother Ryan would come out and 
you know, put shoelaces in the net where the holes were. And my brother Mike would have a bag of flour for the crease. And <laughs> I'd mow the, the little pieces of grass that we did have left out there. Awesome. And, uh, every night just felt like the big one. And, and you know, in hindsight, it wasn't about uh, the, the college I went to. It wasn't uh, all about the, the coaches. And it was, certainly wasn't about a any club team that I ever played for, but the reason I was successful was, was those, you know, thousands of hours in my backyard, uh, fine tuning my game and, and fantasizing, uh, about being, you know, uh, one of the, one of the greatest. So, uh, speed lacrosse is something I developed to try to, uh, capture, uh, the, the beauty of the game, the creativity, the, the fun, the passion, uh, the commitment to development and, uh, the ease it is to, to play it. So, you just need a stick. It's three on three. The court's 40 yards long by 20 yards wide, about the same size as my backyard. And we've developed some cool rules around it. So we use a softball and a three and a half by three and a half foot nets. And he plays kind of a box. The goalie drops back and plays kind of a box style net. You're not allowed to crank it. You play defense with feet and fists. There's some developmental things like no raking. And uh, when the ball goes out of bounds, you pass it inbounds like basketball. And the, the games are a little bit shorter, but it's high intensity and, and you play it as fast as you can. And um, I believe it's uh, something that the sport needs. Um, I'll continue to push it. Um, the people that have tried it and have sampled it and played it absolutely love it. And it's really starting to take off uh, all across the world, to be honest with you. So it's a, it's a fun game. You can play on basketball courts, tennis courts, uh, sand, uh, grass, snow banks. So you can you can kind of bring it to different uh, venues and create different cool venues to to just get out there and play the game that we love. So, I think I'd be the what, goalie. What, what about a Casey goalie. Powell speed lacrosse tournament at the track? Well, oh, hey, that's uh, oh, let's go. Let's get out yeah, to Vancouver. Let's I get to it. Toronto. I, I'll be the goalie because get... the speed and, and my name do not get mentioned in the same sentence very often. <laughs> we could probably get about 10 fields out there on our place and i love it I absolutely love it. casey i lied i lied to you here man I, I i gotta get this in here as well because i know this this is near and dear to your heart and i want you to speak on the casey bowel world lacrosse foundation uh this this is this is incredible stuff and in, in the work that this foundation does tell me about world lacrosse foundation yeah so um you know, throughout my career, I, I was always asked you know, when, you know, when a fellow lacrosse player was, was down or dealing with cancer or, you know, something like a bad accident or something to, to help out a pitch in. Can I sign a jersey? Can I visit? Can I call? And it just happened a ton. And, and uh, again, kind of at the end of my career and reflecting back, hey, what can I do to give back to this game that's given me so much? So we uh, founded the, the Casey Powell World Lacrosse Foundation. It supports in and ill lacrosse players and mostly spinal cord injuries and accidents and, and cancer. And we create support moments around each family, uh, which is, they're all kind of, all, each situation's a bit unique, but we, uh, we, um, we stick with the families and, and help them through their, their tough times. And we try to uplift and heal with hospital visits and, and uh, uh, get them adopted by their favorite professional players and professional teams. And we send them videos and, and make visits. And, you know, when they're ready, we, we do cool things like send them to a rock game and, you know, put them up in hotels and awesome. uh, get them all, all, all access and stuff like that. So we've had some, uh, some tough situations, but we've had some uh, you know, great success stories and we stay with these families uh, forever. Yeah. And, 
is something that I'm really proud of. And, you know, when I do make a visit in the hospital, I walk out of the hospital on my tippy toes. I feel better than the, the people that I visited. I uh, well, I'm, I'm imagining all the kids, like you say, like, who's your favorite player? They're going to say Casey Powell. So it makes it easy for you just to show up. Like you don't even have to, uh, to go get somebody because it's probably you that they say every time. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Hey, I was just going to say before I let you go, I know uh, a new game hasn't come out in a while here, man, and and I don't think we've ever hooked up on on PlayStation or Xbox, but if you ever want a little go at at Casey Powell lacrosse, I am ready, my man. I'm just putting that out there, okay? Let's do this. Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Casey Powell, NLL Hall of Famer. Man, it was great to finally run you down. I appreciate your time. I know you're a very, very busy guy. Thanks for doing this, and, and congratulations on being a Hall of Famer, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Great talking with you both. There is Jamie Dallick, Casey freaking Powell, man, uh, the best American box lacrosse player to ever pick up a stick right there. Absolutely. What a weapon. Like, and he mentioned, like, the, the, he was. the outside game, the inside game. He had it all and didn't shy away from, from the box stuff. Like, we see a, a few Americans over the years have kind of done. Like, they'll be super talented, but they'll kind of be one-dimensional, and they'll shy away from the rough stuff. Casey never did that. Like, he was he was a gamer that was ready to, to do whatever it took to win a game. As good as anyone I saw there for a little bit. I mean, uh, absolutely. He had lots of game, and a pleasure to watch and, and a great story. I yeah. mean, you know, it's amazing listening to these guys. Well, the way his family they, found the you know, game, I like listen, it's crazy. I to you talk to the gates about how they started playing with their neighbors, yeah. the twins or peppers. You know, yeah. It's amazing. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, look at all these NLL all of famers that just, you know, started in the back. Didn't it. even know what the game was, stumbled across it. And, and here you are, you know, the, the best players of their generation. So. Absolutely. Still had some left in the tank, too, when he, when he stopped playing, man. So uh, that was a great conversation with Casey Powell. We are now approaching halftime, Jamie. Uh, another half to go here. Quick Sticks and Stampede Stallion are coming up. Lax Class 146. Back after this. Hey, this is Craig Rubzinski, the voice of the Rochester Nighthawks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and Fox Lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class Quarter 3. Oh, you know what? I forgot to do it after quarter number two, so I'm going to do it now, Jamie, and that's tell you about my good friends at Stampede Tech. I gave you a little homework. I'm not sure if you followed through on that. I will give you you an extension. I will give you an extension, so... Uh, don't don't worry about it too much. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little, little pre. But you got to get on stampede.ca. We're shopping online. It's still shopping local. And check out their website. And I dare you not to buy anything. I dare you. But in the meantime, have you heard about Stampede Tack and Western Wear's oil skin collection? Inspired by the harsh Australian Outback. It features the traditional lowrider duster, a waterproof full-length slicker, made to withstand all climates. Falls just around the corner, believe it or not. The weather's going to start to turn here. Construction constructed with treated cotton, this oil skin won't quit, much like a lacrosse player. Or check out the Bush Ranger jacket. That just sounds cool enough just to buy without even seeing it. A teammate to the traditional duster, it'll be sure to help you stay dry and warm 
all year long. Head out there to Cloverdale, Highway 10, 180 since 1966. Or, like I said, get online and still shopping local, stampede.ca. And we thank Stampede Tack and Western Wear for their continued support. Calls to the hall. We got one left, Willie. That's it. And then we're done through our Hall of Famers. We'll have to wait until next year to talk to some more legends of the game. Uh, this, however, is Quick Sticks, Jamie. And what do we got here on Quick Sticks? I don't even know where to begin today, but um, a number of them here. It was play last day last week. I kind of fanned on on mentioning that, so that looked cool. A bunch of kids were were tweeting videos and stuff to the National Cross League of them playing lax in their backyard or at the box or out on a field or whatever. So those were fun to watch. The other thing I I kind of screwed up by not mentioning, and and I did want to mention it, and I just missed it, is the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League. I'm always updating Ontario. I'm always updating BC. And when I don't have Evan here with me, I sometimes forget to mention the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League. And I did that last week. My bad on that. I appreciate my man Trevor calling me out on it. Um, So I had it at the top of my list here for this week. I don't know if you saw this, Jamie, but the minors in Junior A Lacrosse there in Edmonton have been literally perennial cellar dwellers in the RMLL for, for years. But this season, under the tutelage of one John Lintz and Ryan Dilks, and I think Keegan Ball there as well, the Miners went undefeated from the start of the regular season right through the playoffs. Didn't lose a game, these Miners. So the RMLL has just kind of flipped the script here, and and the Miners went from the basement to the penthouse in just one season. They didn't lose a game. How many games did they play? Well, man, it's got to be over double digits. Like with playoffs included, wow. I think probably close to to fifteen. I would say. And was it was it you know a new roster? Was it the coaching staff? Well, I gotta you know? I gotta believe that the likes of Lance Dilks and Ball surely helped these kids, and I would think some development over the last. You know, maybe this is just a really good crop of kids coming through this year. I, I'm not exactly sure, to be quite honest with you, but you know, it's always kind of been the the Mounties or the Raiders that have been leading the way there in, in the RMLL and the SAS SWAT there as well, but couldn't be happier to see the miners kind of step to the forefront here, much like we saw the Burnaby Lakers do here in BC, take a giant step forward this season, get into the BC final, which uh, my Michael Quilton Jr. Ad next just happened to, to win over the weekend as well, Jamie. So I got to get that in there. Weren't you worried about them earlier in the year? A little bit. Yeah, them? they were middling yeah. around the middle of the pack. But uh, my boy there, Sonny boy, Pete Tellis, uh, got him caught. Pete's offense, like I don't want to get into to the details too much here, but Pete Tellis' offense is very complex. And I guarantee a lot of those kids had never even seen anything like it. And it took him half, three quarters of a season just to try and, like, rein in the basics. And then once the switch went off, like, they put up, like, 26 against Poco one night. And I was like, switch went off, eh, Pete? And he's like, yep. And it was just downhill sailing after that. Like, they just started rolling teams after that. So Underrated, underrated. Oh, man. He's going to be on an NLL bench in the next three, four years. I have no doubt about it man the guy like he was kind of always my assistant when I was coaching and then he just like blew right past me I'm like you're a better coach than I am now I'm gonna probably retire from coaching because like (laughs) you're just gonna take every job that I probably want so um and that that group there in Coquitlam not to stay on them too long like I think they only had two guys that have graduated and and the 
the core, the majority of that team is in either their first or their second year. So watch out for Listen, the I don't think purple and gold. Quitlam, the junior A title every year out west. Well, it's been battle for second. It's been, uh, you know, well, like I said, I thought this was going to be the year that, that things were going to turn. And, and who knows if they would have played Nanaimo or Victoria in, in the, in the finals, uh, things could have been different, but, uh, yeah, it's been like 13, 14 years or something. Yeah, They've won no, the BC Grand. 14 years. Yeah, just a casual de- decade or so. Uh, we, always, we always ask Challen how many Mintos he won. Yeah, I think they won it. Well, he, he played in five did. and came up yeah, empty, but he missed, uh, Yeah, he did come up empty. Yeah. Then they won the year after he was gone, it's I true. guess. Or, it's true. Yeah. That probably stings. That probably really stings. Well, hey, what are you going to do, man? Um, what else do we got here? I saw... I don't know how close to the situation you are here, Jamie, and I really don't I don't really know what to make of it. But the TLL had a had a combine schedule and then the OLA came out and said, like, if you go play in this, you're putting yourself at risk and good standing with, with the Ontario Lacrosse Association. You may not be able to go back to your junior A club. And so many kids were in fear of this that they just like they had to cancel the event. What do you know yeah, about this? Yeah, yeah. Read what you want. I don't know how many people were like yeah, that's what they want to say why it was canceled, but you don't I, I think don't so? Believe that? Okay. I, listen, they they when they announced the league, they were telling all these kids to sign up, and no kids did. And then you know, and then they drafted all these kids. Both of my kids drafted in that league, never signed up for it. I don't even know what it is. You know, they, they're just. They're they're trying to run a competing league with a proven entity at the exact same thing, and then they're using this all oh, the OLA bullying this as an excuse. I mean, I, I honestly, I think the OLA could lift that. I mean, I, I don't know how they'd get any kids to play unless they're 22-year-olds that can't play at the next level. Wow. So I, I've never understood it. Um, and you're you back know, there, like you're way closer to it I, than listen, I am. I know so. the, the the people behind that league were all they all left the OLA because they didn't get what they wanted with that, so they went and tried to start their own league. Okay. And you know, to me, and I've said this all along, you're not a league until you have players, and you don't have any players, and you've never done anything. So, I, I, what league is it? I think sure. the OLA just put the world on notice for junior lacrosse sure about did. a month ago. Sure so, did, yeah. uh, you know, I, that, that whole thing's a messy situation. It is. I, I think eventually it just goes away. Okay. But, well, let's know, go from, if, let's go from one messy situation to another, shall we? Uh, I'm looking at your list. Yeah. Here. I know, I know you're you're going. You know, well, and, and like I said, with you being uh, the owner of the Oakville rock, you're obviously privy to, to how all this went down. And well, if, not if, really. Well, okay. Not well, if, really if you're new all, and if you haven't heard about this, uh, Owen Sound, Joe Norton, Bug Juice, all the rest of it, ripping Brampton out of Brampton and taking them to Owen Sound. Now word coming down that the sale wasn't legit. The OLA has turned this over. Brampton going back to Brampton. I don't know if they're going to be the Excelsiors or not. I don't know if Owen Sound is, is getting an expansion team. This still has to be proven that the sale was either legit or not legit, but the appeal was heard and, and it was overturned. So the saga like continues here, Jamie. And like, everybody's like, well, get, get down on or get somebody from Brampton. I'm like, I'm waiting before I, I, I talk about this at length again, because like, Every week, it almost seems to change directions again. But for now, the the Excelsiors 
are back. Yeah, are they? I, I don't know. This, I said this a while. Yeah, I guess so. Who knows? Honestly, when stuff like this goes down, it makes me not want to be involved in that league. Like, And, I mean, listen, I have no facts, but I can tell you what happened. The team was – I guarantee it was sold illegally. Uh, Zenny and Ziggy sold the team to Joe Norton. They probably didn't have the authorization to do it. Mm-hmm. it was definitely not done legally. And, uh, you know, they got caught. Probably like everything, probably like everything else in that league, a transaction happened. And, you know, the, the one thing I've maintained all along is, you know, and, and listen, I'm very close with Dan T. He works for me at the track and this and that and Hazer and all those guys. But, you know, I, the whole thing's just a disaster. No one said boo when Joe Norton was footing the bill for three years. And then all of a sudden, he wants to go, and, and now all of a sudden it turns into a big mess. So, yeah. you know, it well, is stay, what it is. Yeah, stay I attend. honestly don't care enough to uh, – honestly, I just like to see it out of the news personally. <laughs> you don't do care enough to care. Do you Yeah. No, not at all, man. Playing Owen Sound. Well, what? Yeah. Then, I mean, you know, the reality is, sorry, MLS people and or MSL, whatever league we are – you know, it, it it is what it is. I'm sorry. Speaking Call of it what it is. And speaking of Dan T, I uh, I had to like absolutely just drop a bus on him. He, he Instagrammed out a picture with him and Nikki. I don't know what they're doing. They're on some sort of summer vacation, and and there I see Dan T rocking a Toronto Rock T-shirt. The offensive coach for Panther City, rocking Toronto oh, Rock. Where I had to tag uh, TK and be like, "What? This got to be a fine." No can't be doing that um i think he works for the toronto rock athletic center and uh you know that's his full-time job so that's his uh daily work attire during the well, week well i took advantage and, i wasn't passing that opportunity uh, yeah, listen, I, I hear you well you know once you put that shirt on it's tough to take oh, it off that's what they tell me yeah, okay uh the canadian lacrosse hall of fame is making its return they're gonna put in two years worth of hall of famers this is coming up november the 13th in new westminster and one of my best friends growing up and, and former junior teammate and derek malowski is going in with a number of others i think paulie day is going in there a, a bunch of guys uh, two years worth the hall of famers so i wanted to mark this down get your calendars ready if you're making the trip from out east or if, uh, if you're out here in the west and you want to go check this out november the 13th canadian lacrosse hall of fame two years worth the hall of famers going in so that's going to be a fun night um so this come down the, the pipeline just today, in fact, Jamie. Calgary, the first ones to announce it. Now Vancouver on board as well. You want to go watch uh, a sporting event in Calgary or Vancouver? You're going to need to be double vaccinated. And I think this is just the start of it, Jamie. I think this is going to be... Well, like, Toronto announced that too last week. Okay, so this well, is going to be so. par for the course, man. This is going to be the norm. Yeah. This is going to be the standard. So if you're if you're one of those people that has been on the fence, oh, should I get vaccinated, should I not get vaccinated, and you love lacrosse and you want to go watch lacrosse, get off the fence and just go get vaccinated and get it done because you're not getting in the door if you're not. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I guess the pretty well the standard is double vaccinated or, you know, a negative test within, you know, 28, 48 hours, 24, 48 hours. And that's a bit of a hassle. Um you know, I think that's the new going to be the new norm in a lot of things. So, yeah, 
yeah, make make your decision, and and you have to live by the rules. No doubt about it. A uh, couple more quick sticks here before we get to quarter four. I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. It's on the horizon here. I think uh, game one is starting on Friday. In fact, at Queens Park Arena. Shout out to to the to the Black Bears, by the way, Jamie, who won the XLL championship on Sunday night at the Palace on Poirier. First blowout of of the entire season. Bears came to play. Gray Wolves kind of, I don't know if they thought it was a later faceoff or what. 16-5, I believe, the final in wow. the XLL. And, and that was the only blowout of the entire season. But the Black Bears are your inaugural XLL champions. So congrats to Did them. Did I see my uh, boy Jordan Magnuson in there? Yeah, that Mags. He is. He's a champion. Yeah, He's got the Mags. belt. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to call that because I was on my way back from the Survivor's Cup. But um, that was that was fun to see. But now, Jamie Dowick, the ex- we've picked an XLL All-Star team. And we're heading to Queen's Park and taking on the New Westminster Salmon Bellies in a three-game showdown. This is going to be something you want to watch. It's going to be on bcsports.tv. I'm just going to run down a, a couple of the names on on this list so you can get an idea of, of what we're dealing with here. Just just a few of the names. Uh, a guy by the name of Christian Del Bianco will be in, in goal for the XL All-Stars. Uh, we got a... Not bad, not a, bad. A guy named uh, Dane Doby. I think that's how you say that. Dane Doby will play, play in some offense. The John San Lee. Diego Seals? Yeah, the, the Seals. <laughs> Absolutely. I got I got a funny story after this that I that I got to tell you. Um, I think I'll probably tell you off air so I don't get in trouble. But John Luke Chetner, Connor Robinson, uh, Bobby Kidd the third, Jordan Magnuson, like you mentioned, he's on the team. Keegan Bell, James Ray, so some pretty good talent. Impressive. Yeah, uh, right, we're gonna get the bellies to run for their money. Shot at your Western boys, but. No chance they'd stack up against the Rock Elite Pro All Stars. No, I heard uh, I heard uh, Polly Dawson like went off for a hat trick, even had a diver. Yeah, I don't get carried away on that one, but there's there's the it's like an NLL All Star game out there. They're actually probably they play tonight. Actually, they're playing right now. Awesome! Uh, it's uh, it's great to see. Great yeah, to see. No doubt about it. Uh, one more to go here on Quick Sticks. I always got to do this every single week, and and I talked a lot about the Survivors Cup off the top, so I'm not I'm not going to revisit it. But I will say this about the Survivors Cup. You know they they were Planning to, to go with pay-per-view for the stream, things didn't pan out, uh, shockingly enough, with the internet down there at the Turtle Dome. So they had to offer those things up for free, which ended up turning out to be the right move anyways. But if you go to my Twitter feed or at Survivor's Cup, they are still accepting donations for a GoFundMe page to raise some money for suicide prevention, mental health initiatives uh, for people that are dealing with trauma from the residential schools. And of course... The revitalization of the Mohawk language, which was essentially taken away from them when when people were taken away from their homes and taken to residential schools. So uh, I made a little donation. I, I, I know a bunch of other people have as well, but I wanted to mention this. It's on my Twitter feed. You can go to the GoFundMe page, and donations are still being accepted. So I highly encourage that you do that. Last one I have here, 35 moments. It's Dutch Redemption. As they played the clip from the Langley Event Center when the Stealth were taking on the Nighthawks. Of course, Dutchie got the, the title in 2010, but I want to say it was 2013 where they lost in Langley in, in the kind of the dying moments. But then Reese Dutch, as he moved on his way to Calgary just a couple of years ago, gets the overtime winner for the Roughnecks. So he felt a little bitter defeat, and then he felt the ultimate 
jubilation scoring the overtime victory for the Calgary Roughnecks as they are still your defending champions until we play another season here. So a little redemption for Reese Dutch is your NLL 35 moments this week. Great player. Great player. He's been ever since, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, he's been a guy, I think his career started just a couple of years before I came in the league and, you know, I just you two always, championships, always, close to a thousand yeah. points, and I think he goes in. I, I I'm yeah, voting I, for him I, when I, he comes well, up. Well, is he going to be a first balloter? Depends on who you're up against, this and that. But I think eventually, definitely a Hall of Famer restart. Ah, couldn't agree Does he more. Sign with anyone? Uh, he, no, he, I don't say again. Uh, I don't want to. Don't want to. He's he's up for grabs so just say that he's up for grabs right now i think listening to offers if i'm not mistaken so i always liked him you know um you know problem with a guy like that for us is vic a victoria boy right or not cheap flight not cheap flight from victoria well and hey listen you said you started the show by saying how much you were bagged from yeah dude like i don't know how guys do it you at the time remember like lewis reckless for a year in Toronto flew back and forth every week. Like you just, you just can't do that. No, McCready was doing it to, to Rochester from Vancouver. I remember Paulus was worse. doing it from, Even yeah, worse. you're going the other yeah. way. Right. And, and Paulus was doing it from Toronto to Vancouver. Like it, it doesn't last long. Like you make it about a half a season. You're like, screw I, this, man. Like I can't. Yeah. I've got a rule. Like my rule here in Toronto is, you know, if you're from Vancouver, um, gotta live there. you have to live here to play for us yeah. if, if you're not willing to live here you're not going to play for us I there mean, you go kyle just, belton jordan magnison adam jay yeah those there. guys all moved here zachy man committed to us yeah you know they every one of them and and we've had a lot of success with western guys like you know lesser known western guys i mean obviously challenge challenge but um you know you said it kyle belton aaron paskis there you go uh you got zach man's yeah, going right now cool. right Jordan Magnuson and then Adam J, Zach Mans, you know, it's uh, really good. Reed Reinhold, oh, another, another yeah. free agent from out west. Yeah. So we've done okay with those western boys. I, I quite like them all. Me too. Me too. Every single one of them, Jamie. Again, another monster quarter here on EP 146. We got to get to break. We still have one quarter to go. It's Stampede Stallion time on the other side. Quarter four coming up right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Keegan Ball from the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class, quarter number four, about to go here. Not before I tell you about our good friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, at Associated LP, that stands for Labels and Packages. I just saw the boss uh, down there at ALP, Sean Ashworth. He's up at his little cottage in a place we call Tulamine. Jamie, I think you would love this spot. It's about, I would say, two and a half away from from where I live, kind of like sunk down in this little valley surrounded by mountains, beautiful lake, and just a sleepy little town. It's kind of got the little general store there and, and a river running through it. They actually got a lacrosse box up there too, is uh, which is kind of cool. 
Um, so he's up there and taking a little time off with his family. I, I said, don't be surprised if you just wake up and see me sleeping on your on your lawn tomorrow because uh, I'm, I might take a rip up there myself. Anyway, Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service, over 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and ever-growing fleet of equipment. Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. And just before we we head for the stables here, Jamie, I want to let you know you can follow Jamie Dowick via Twitter at jdowick. You can follow me at PXP for Sports. The show is at Lax Class. We got an Instagram page at Lacrosse Classified. We got a Facebook page as well, and got an email at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com If uh, if you're into sending me an email, love to hear from you. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that, and you're just like listening to the pod week after week. You're just click, just hit the subscribe button. Put down a little quick review there as well. That increases our engagement, our listenership, our outreach, all of it. would really appreciate it. Jamie, it's time to head for the Stampede Stables. We have now reached... We have reached the Stampede St- that makes my I don't know I don't know if other people are laughing at that, but it makes myself laugh every time, and I think that's probably why I do it. Uh, we've reached the Stampede Stallion Stables here in my selection this week, Jamie. And tell you what, if not for for some concussion issues, cutting this guy's career short, that did last the full decade in the National Lacrosse League, Man Cup champion, NLL champion, spent the majority of his career with the Calgary Roughnecks and what, like perennial 25 goal man here, 144 games total. And I put down in, in the little bio here, like maybe the best dip and dunk in the game, like the short, like far side fake pull up. Scott Ranger joins the Stampede Stallion. What do you remember about Scott Ranger's game, Jamie? Well, I can remember him from the year before uh, when he won in Calgary there. You know, that was Miloski, Shooter, oh, nine, Scott I Ranger. Say. Yeah. yeah, that was with Troy and them just before those guys joined me. And he was uh, every bit as much as important as any, anyone offensively on that team. And you say 25, 30 goals. I, I remember him being a 40-goal guy, I think. Uh, he was uh, he was a scary, scary scorer. And, uh, you know, he did it in the, in, and continued it in the summers with Vic. So, great great pick there. Yeah. Um, I mean, he spent you know, a under, long time. Underrated guy that, that was uh, really, really, really good. Totally. Played a, a very clean lacrosse game as well. Not a lot of penalty minutes there for Ranger. Over three points, almost three and a half points per game in his career. And, and spent a long time in Nanaimo as, as the captain of that franchise. And, you know, got to a point in his career was like, okay, like the, we're not winning. I want I want a chance to win. Got down to Victoria. And he was really one of the ingredients that, that put that Victoria team over the top and, and got him that man cup. And, I know, like, how much that meant to him to get that championship before his career came to an end and, and gets one with the Roughnecks as well. And just, like, just an awesome dude as well. Like, you know, like, he's one of those guys where he always takes the time to, to make you feel like you're the most important person that he's talking to when you're having a conversation with him. And I got all day for, for Scotty Ranger. Uh, 
actually got a chance to to hang out with with our stallion from last week, Jamie, is uh, Flip Sanderson down there. Oh, yeah, you were so, Flipper and all. Yeah, yeah so uh, got a chance to talk to Flip. We talked about the old crowbar check there. He told me a couple of funny stories about when he pulled it off uh, against a couple of guys. <laughs> and and we had a good laugh about that, so that was cool, hanging out with Flip and the boys uh, down there. There's another guy that was down there that we could probably throw in the in the stable and Rusty Kruger, Jamie. So I don't know if you Oh, there to, you go. You know, hey, that. Maybe that'd be my... You just ruined maybe my. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Mind you, he was, he was in the middle of that bandits. He's still got a two-game suspension for that blind brawl. So, (laughs) I'm a big fan of. Might be all more the reason to put him in the stable with uh, with something like that. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if (laughs) he's worthy of the stable. Your pick. Your pick next week. Don't forget, you got to get in Stampede.ca. And uh, tell me what you think about that website because uh, I got to tell you about him again right now. Stampede Tack and Western Wear has long been known for having Canada's best variety of Western and cowboy boots. But did you also know they carry a great selection of Blundstone and Redback? Head into any town around the country, start staring at people's feet. You might look like a bit of a creep, but hey. We bet you within no time, you'll see a couple of folks, both men and women, wearing a pair of Blundstones or Redbacks. Looking for a pair of boots that does everything well, sort of like a lacrosse player? Then look no further than the selection of Blundstone and Redback boots, all available at Stampede Tack and Western Wear out there in Cloverdale. You know the deal. They've been there since 1966, or you can just hop online and check out their complete selection at stampede.ca. Jamie... Another monster lax class here. You're coming back for at least one more week because we got to talk to Sean Williams. I'm going to ask you a bunch of more tough questions. That's probably going to get you in trouble with the rest of the board of governors. <laughs> and uh, we'll have we'll have fun again next week. How about it? I look forward to talking to Willie. He's one of my favorites. I know him quite well. Uh, for a guy that never played for for me here, um, he's a beauty. He'll be a great interview. I can't wait. Me either. And uh, thanks to you for for hanging out again this week. A massive thank you goes out to Casey Powell for spending a little time with us here on Lax Glass as well. To the Vancouver Warriors, Associate Labels and Packaging, and of course, Stampede Tack and Western Wear for their continued support of the podcast but for now we were done we'll see you next week every week right here on the home of lax class lacrosse flash podcast network every single tuesday but for now we gotta go for jamie dowick i've been jake kelly and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator stay safe stay healthy and stay classified